are two ancient cities that Christians mainly associate with the Bible, Jerusalem and Rome. Of course, Jerusalem is the focal point of biblical events. But in the time of Jesus, it was Rome and Roman law that controlled the Holy Land. But which city deserves the title, the Eternal City? That's what I'm about to discover as we take you today from Israel to Italy. Many in the churches have erroneously referred to Rome as the eternal city, but God has another view on the matter. He has clearly declared Jerusalem as the eternal city. He calls Jerusalem his resting place and throne. Jesus and the Apostle Paul understood these truths. In fact, the great Jewish scholar Saul of Tarsus, better known as St. Paul, wrote about a third of the New Testament. Hello, I'm Christine Darg, and welcome to Exploits. St. Paul accomplished mighty exploits for the Lord on missionary journeys throughout the ancient world, but he was martyred in Rome. A few years ago, archaeologists uncovered the tomb of Paul. While we cannot be certain about Paul's mortal remains, his immortal words do remain with us in the Bible. In fact, Paul's letter to the Romans expresses profound and timely truths that every believer must absorb. Let Paul explain it in his own words as we travel from Jerusalem to Rome. of Tarsus, better known to most Christians as St. Paul the Apostle, is probably the greatest known Christian who's ever lived. He certainly was responsible for writing most of the New Testament. And Paul had an obsession to get here to Rome. And in this program, we're going to be examining the heart of the Apostle Paul, particularly for his brethren, the Jewish people. And in Romans, Chapter 9, 10, and 11, especially, Paul raises this issue about his longing for the Jewish people to be saved. But the whole book, the whole epistle to the Romans tells us so much about great issues of Christianity, the doctrines of salvation. But mostly, we want to be looking at the heart of Paul for the Jewish people in this program. Paul a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God. To all in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints, grace and peace to you from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because your faith is being reported all over the world. Paul's epistle to the Romans contains essential doctrines explaining our salvation. Some of the most quoted verses in the New Testament are contained in his letter to the Romans, verses that evangelists popularly call 
the Roman road. Texts such as Romans chapter 3 and verse 23, for all has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And Romans chapter 10 verse 9, if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And Romans chapter 10 verses 14 to 15, how then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? How will they believe in him whom they haven't heard of? And how will they hear without a preacher? How will they preach unless they are sent? But it was Paul's agonizing heart over the salvation of his fellow Jews that we want to look at particularly in Romans chapter 9, 10, and 11. And these three chapters, in the middle of the letter to the Romans, Paul shares his heart with us by teaching what he calls the mystery of Israel. Paul begins in chapter 9 to explore Israel's past election or selection by God as God's special chosen people to whom they've been given the divine assignment to be, as the Bible describes, a light to the nations. Then in Romans chapter 10, Paul describes the Jewish people's rejection of God's plan for them as they become a rebellious, stiff-necked people. God sent numerous prophets to call them back to repent, but in spite of the warnings, they would not obey. Finally, in Romans chapter 11, Paul outlines Israel's future restoration as a nation that will be reconciled to God. Yet there will come a day, Paul taught, when all of Israel shall be saved. In that day, Jerusalem will become the head and not the tail. Rome, the so-called eternal city, will be outshone by the rising again of Jerusalem. That's according to Bible prophecies. In fact, Paul warned the church in Rome not to become conceited and puffed up against the Israelites. Looking around at the great splendor of the establishment of the Church of Rome today, we wonder how well his words have been heeded through the centuries of Jewish persecution and inquisitions. However, in recent years, the late pontiff John Paul II humbled himself greatly. He took a millennial pilgrimage to Jerusalem. John Paul carried a letter of repentance. The Pope's letter stated, God of our fathers, you chose Abraham and his descendants to bring your name to the nations. We are deeply saddened by their behavior, who in the course of history have caused these children of yours to suffer. And asking your forgiveness, we wish to commit ourselves to genuine brotherhood with the people of the covenant. Many Protestant evangelical pastors in our times have also been forging a new friendship and relationship with the Jewish people. While historic tensions between the church at Rome and the Jewish people have been eased in recent years, partially as a result of John Paul II's policy of reconciliation, his policy has been continued by his successor, Pope Benedict. Benedict XVI has also reached out to the chief rabbi here in Rome and to other synagogues, such as one in his native Bavaria. However, many Jews and Israelis strongly believe that the Vatican is hoarding the temple menorah 
That menorah was made of pure gold, which together with other sacred vessels from the second temple were pillaged and carried off as great prizes of war to Rome in 70 AD. After the siege of Jerusalem, the Roman conqueror Titus was deified as emperor of Rome. The destruction of the temple is still mourned annually on the Jewish fast day of Tisha B'Av. But the Arch of Titus, which celebrates the destruction of Jerusalem and its temple, still stands here in Rome. This is the famous Arch of Titus, leading to the ancient Roman Forum and it commemorates the capture and destruction of Jerusalem in 70 AD by the Roman legions. Treasures from the Jewish temple were carried to Rome by Jewish captives. The arch depicts the actual triumphant processional with items that were looted from the temple. Among the relics, the sacred menorah, the table of the showbread, and the silver trumpets, which called the people to worship and were used on the Feast of Trumpets. The men parading the treasures wore laurel crowns, and those carrying the candlestick had pillows on their shoulders. Placards in the background announced to the people of Rome the great victories won by Titus, who would soon become emperor. For generations, some Jewish people had believed that the golden menorah and the holy vessels from their temple were hidden here inside the Vatican. During the 2,000-year Jewish exile from the land of Israel, the holy menorah and the temple treasures remained at the focus of the memory of the Jewish people. Not too long ago, one of the former presidents of Israel made a diplomatic visit here and he formally requested the Vatican's prime minister to prepare a list of all the temple treasures that are supposedly being stored inside the Vatican. This unresolved issue is extremely sensitive to Israel. But according to at least one eminent Jewish archeologist, the menorah is no longer here in Rome. However, the holy menorah may just be here in Venice, in northern Italy. According to an archaeological magazine, there was a letter by a PhD Harvard professor, a Dr. Shay Cohen, who says that there is some evidence that the holy menorah ended up here in Venice. According to testimonials, when Rome was sacked in the 5th century, many of its great treasures were brought here to Venice for safekeeping. 
Could those treasures have included Judaica, such as the temple vessels and the golden menorah? Well, Dr. Cohen, the eminent archaeologist, says that it could be that the menorah was later carried away to Constantinople, modern-day Istanbul. But he says no one can confirm for sure whether or not the menorah is in the Vatican or here in Venice. Most likely, he says, it was melted down long time ago for its gold. I am telling the truth in Christ, and I am not lying. My conscience testifies with me in the Holy Spirit that I have great sorrow and unceasing grief in my heart, for I could wish that I myself were cursed, separated from Christ for the sake for my brethren, my kinsmen according to the flesh who are Israelites. So chapter nine opens with Paul sharing his perpetual sorrow and anguish concerning his countrymen over their rejection of Messiah. In verses four and five of chapter nine, Paul catalogs eight unique privileges that belong to Israel and the overall plan of God. And I believe the Weymouth translation is the clearest translation of these verses, which outline eight privileges. To them belongs, number one, recognition as God's sons. And they have, secondly, His glorious presence. Thirdly, the covenants. Number four, the giving of the law. Fifthly, the temple service. Number six, they have the ancient promises. Seven, to them belong the patriarchs. And number eight, from them, in respect of His human lineage, came the Messiah. Wow, the Apostle Paul summed up eight awesome privileges, including the glory, the Torah, the honor and right to serve in the temple, plus the pedigree of the patriarchs, even the family tree of Messiah himself. No wonder anti-Semitism is rampant. These privileges and pedigrees identify the Jewish people intimately with God, so that all spiritual rebels who hate God must naturally resent his representatives on earth, the Israelites. What went wrong that the Jewish people with such a glorious heritage did not receive the Savior? Well, the Word of God didn't fail according to Paul, but salvation in the meantime came to the Gentiles here in Rome. Was exile, in fact, to be the fate of Israel? Rejected, hopeless, stateless. Did God reject the Jewish people? Or is He regathering them and working out His purposes in our lifetime through the rebirth of the Jewish state? These are all questions of vital importance in our times 
and their questions that the Apostle Paul examined in his epistle to the Romans. In the book of Romans, Paul summarizes the gospel and his own heart when he says, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God unto all who believe. To the Jew first, he said, and also to the Greek, to the Gentile. Here Paul emphasizes over and over in the book of Romans that everything was to the Jew first. The law, the prophets, the covenants, and in the great strategy of God, Paul says in the agony of his heart, even though the Jewish people stumbled over Messiah, it will all work out in God's plan that the Gentiles will be saved. Everywhere that Paul went, he always first went to preach in the synagogue. As he did when he finally got here to Rome, he called the Jewish people to him. He was under house arrest for two years, but his heart always was to minister first to the Jewish people. And Paul, being not only a teacher but a prophet, he had prophetic insight. He said in the first chapter in the book of Romans that their faith is known throughout the world. This was prophetic of the Roman Catholic Church whose faith is known throughout the world today. And isn't it amazing, out of all of the epistles that Paul wrote in the New Testament, he shares his heart for the Jewish people most with the Romans. Could that be prophetic with a church that has spread throughout the world and is known throughout the world? That he is saying to the faith of the people at Rome, Remember, the gospel is to the Jew first. In fact, Paul clearly quotes heavily from the prophets Hosea and Isaiah. He argues that the preservation of the faithful remnant from among Israel has always been God's intention and the means by which he will eventually turn Israel back to himself. Paul teaches that Israel's rejection of the Messiah was not due to ignorance, but because of unbelief. The Jews had both general and special revelation. Therefore, God judged Israel in a long-term plan by revealing himself to the Gentiles in order to provoke a Jewish remnant back to him through jealousy. In the opening of Romans chapter 11, Paul very clearly states that God has not cast away the Jewish people. Even though Israel was disobedient, God has not rejected them. God forbid, Paul exclaims. In the national rejection of Jesus by Israel, God brought blessings to the Gentiles, salvation, healing, and deliverance. Yet an even greater blessing awaits the world when Israel recognizes her Messiah. Paul describes the future restoration of Israel as a resurrection, even life from the dead. In Romans chapter 11, Paul uses the symbolism of two olive trees. One stands for natural Israel, and the other, a wild olive tree, represents Gentiles who are grafted into the commonwealth of Israel by faith through belief in Messiah Yeshua. Paul warns believing Romans not to boast. As wild olive branches, Gentiles, they have been grafted into an olive tree cultivated by God. 
So we don't hold up the tree, rather the Hebraic roots and trunk uphold us, the grafted in branches. Furthermore, Paul reveals a mystery. Israel's spiritual blindness is only temporary. Their spiritual cataracts are being removed even now. God himself will turn away ungodliness from the sons of Jacob, and they will experience a spiritual resurrection, a great revival, what he calls resurrection life from the dead. Meanwhile, Paul teaches that believers in Messiah should unconditionally demonstrate love to his Jewish brethren because of God's irrevocable election of Israel. Even though Paul wanted to reach his own people, and that was his heart of hearts, he knew that God had given him a twofold call, really, to the Jew first and also to the Gentiles. And so he was the apostle to the Gentiles. And even though everywhere he went, he spoke always first to the Jews. If they rejected him, he knocked, as it were, the dust off of his feet, but he never rejected them in his heart. Even though he went and preached to the Gentiles, he always carried the Jewish people in his heart. And he preached the gospel throughout the known world to the Gentiles. And he saw that this was God's strategy that if he wanted to see all of Israel saved, he would provoke them to jealousy by having signs and wonders and a great harvest in the Gentile world. Many years ago, the Lord also called me to Israel, to the Jewish people. He appeared to me in a dream and in many times in my childhood, I saw the Lord in visions and dreams and I knew through the spirit of revelation that I was called to the Jewish people. But then later on in my call, the Lord showed me that a real strategy to see all of Israel saved would be like Paul. I'm going to send you far from the people that you love to the Gentiles. And I found that the Lord would be sending me to the Muslim people. And through the signs and wonders that are happening even today in the Islamic world, the Jewish people are being provoked to jealousy and they are seeing Jesus radically transform many Islamic lives. And this speaks volumes to the Jewish people. During World War II, 200 Venetian Jews were rounded up from this ghetto and sent to the death camps. The ghetto goes back to the 14th century, when during that time a Jewish person could only live here a maximum of 15 years. In the 16th century, they were allowed to stay a longer period. However, they had to wear badges of identification and the ghetto was locked up at night, so they were all herded in here. 
and had to live in high-rise buildings. Thus, the beginning of the concept of ghettos, of living huddled together in a small space. The Apostle Paul could envision such a ghetto mentality happening to the Jewish people because he knew the Torah. He knew that Deuteronomy said that there would be blessings for obeying God, but there would also be curses. But hallelujah, he foresees in Romans chapter 11 that the time of the ghetto mentality will be finished. Every wall will fall and all of Israel shall be regathered back to the land of Israel and all of Israel shall be saved. The Bible teaches that this great miracle will happen through the supernatural outpouring by the Holy Spirit of the Spirit of grace and supplications upon Jerusalem. Rejoicing at this great miracle to come, Paul suddenly had a rapturous outburst of praise as he ended Romans chapter 11 with this beautiful benediction. Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and unfathomable his ways. To him be the glory forever. Amen. Well, I hope you've enjoyed our teaching in Rome. And if you'd like to watch other exploits teaching that are available 24-7 at our website at exploits.tv, just visit us there. And at our website, you can also request our free color ministry magazine. Until next time, I'm Christine Darg reminding you to pray for the peace of Jerusalem.